Anastasia. We want to partner with you, but we want to do it in the least imposing and most painless way possible. Here's the deal. It's called the Buddy Pledge. You give us your support for 12 months, and we give you access to the most eclectic music, as well as the best and thought-provoking news, talk, and community affairs. Sound good? See it in your heart to pledge a minimum of $10 per month. Each payment will automatically be deducted from your credit or bank statement, so there's no reminders needed. Just join us for a one-year membership and go online at www.give2wbai.org. That's give numeral 2wbai.org. And be part of our vibrant community. WBAI New York. New York isn't like any other place. And WBAI isn't like any other radio station. For more than 60 years, WBAI has been your go-to for independent, non-commercial, free speech programming. Join the WBAI family as a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite show today. It's easy. Just go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. Or text WBAI to 41444. Or call 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. When you become a BAI buddy, you show your support for great programs on politics, news, the arts, music, and culture. Supporting WBAI means supporting programming that lets you hear from your elected officials with hosts who hold them accountable. Go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 now. Don't wait. You know these times are too important. Please give as generously as you can. It's really easy to make a recurring monthly donation. It only takes a minute. Just go to WBAI.org, click ways to donate, and say you want to be a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite program. WBAI has spoken up for New Yorkers for more than 60 years. Now, it's time to speak up for WBAI. Go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org, or text WBAI to 41444. Give to WBAI today. Be heard. Welcome to City Watch here on WBAI 99.5 FM. You've just been listening to Cone Sabor Latina with Marisol, which I always enjoy listening to. I get here very early to the WBAI studios here in Brooklyn so I could thoroughly enjoy the last hour of her show. Welcome back to WBAI. And I want to, uh, I'm Jeff Simmons, your host, and very excited to be back on air after that bumpy month we had, uh, after the rogue faction of Pacifica had, uh, uh, erased our local programming and that led to a fierce fight and we are proud to be back proud to bring you uh, non-corporate commercial free progressive uh, voices uh, and wonderful programming 24 uh, 7 you know i've been here for about a year and a half and i am what is known as a bai buddy someone who gives a recurrent i'm a volunteer by the way and someone who gives a recurring donation every month because i believe in this station and i believe for that one month period when oh BAI went to court and fought vociferously to bring our local programming back that the end was not, you know, we had not reached the end that we were going to be back here on the airwaves. City Watch has been a long time staple of WBAI, uh, with, you know, uh, on for quite some time within our 60 year history has always been commercial free and listener supported. And I want to stress the listener support element because if you listen to either Consabor Latino or if there are other programs on WBAI that means something to you, it's incredibly important that you come forward and, and show some support. And just becoming a BAI buddy is what I'm hoping that you who are tuning in tonight, uh, will be able to do. If I could get five BAI buddies during the show, that would be terrific. I know when I set it up, it just took a few minutes to give my credit card information online. Uh, 
And that uh, address is give to. That's the number two w b a i dot o r g. That's give to w b a i dot o r g. You can give five, ten, twenty dollars a month. I mean, think about it. Does not add up to a lot over the course of the year if you're only giving five or ten dollars, or hopefully a little more each month. But for us, it's valuable. It keeps us going here. It fuels us. The other ways you can do this, if you don't want to go online, is you can call the number five one six six two zero. 3602. And if you hear some noises behind me, by the way, I just want to let you know that what is happening, which is very exciting, uh, it was interrupted for that one month period, but there's a beautiful studio right down the hall from us. And that's why we're also raising this money to be able to complete that studio. I was just uh, back there right now. It is looking exceptionally great. Uh, it is going to be a wonderful soundproof studio. So you may hear some construction noise. Max and I are going to be hearing that a little as it goes on because they are working aggressively now to get this studio up and running. That number is 212, uh, I'm sorry, that number is 516-620-3602. So here on City Watch, I'd like to focus as much as possible on issues that matter to you, issues that are also being talked about a lot in New York City. And that's what's leading me to my first guest today, because just a few weeks ago, uh, there were several incidents in which uh, vendors had been uh, summonsed. One was put in handcuffs. Uh, if you recall seeing that uh, alarming video, um, you know, she was selling churros at a subway station here in Brooklyn. And that just highlighted the issue about street vending and vending here in New York City. And the question, you know, poses a lot of questions. What's the right amount of vending to allow? Should there be a cap? Where should people be able to vend? And um, I live in Queens, and a, a state senator who is uh, adjacent to my district uh, has proposed legislation. Uh, this is Jessica Ramos, and she has legislation in Albany that's going to come up in the next few months that would lift the limits on the number of sidewalk food vendors. And that's a change that could dramatically alter New York City's uh, street food landscape. And Jessica joins me now. Jessica, welcome back to WBAI. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. I know I'm supposed to say, Senator, welcome back, but I still see you as Jessica, so sorry if I do and that. That's totally cool <laughs> with me. So talk a little about the origin of this legislation and why this has been important to you, and then a little about what this legislation would do. Yeah, so we introduced this street vendor legislation actually just before um, Elsa was arrested and went viral, really, in New York City. The idea behind the legislation is really, at the at its most basic level, to grow our economy from the bottom up. We un- it's sort of under the premise that we understand that there's a commercial real estate crisis, that it's harder and harder for the average New Yorker to be able to open a brick-and-mortar business especially because of business improvement districts being uh, doing the landlord's bidding and not helping uh, create more small businesses necessarily. Um, and so we want to make sure that vendors, uh, that we're honoring vendors' on entrepreneurial spirit, that we're helping immigrants, particularly women who make up such a huge swath of these street vendors, be able to provide that supplemental income for their families, because so many times this is really all that they know how to do, and they should be able to earn an honest dollar without being criminalized by the police, which is why you know, we want to change the law and hopefully relieve uh, police officers uh, from this duty and make sure that they're pursuing actual crime. Yeah, and one of the things that the governor had been talking about, and I believe this was uh, in the wake of the incident here in Brooklyn uh, where there had been uh, a skirmish between youth and the police, but he talked about assigning, uh, you know, getting more police into the subways. Is that a solution? I don't think so. I'm of the thinking that there's a better use of $249 million taxpayer dollars uh, to actually fix our crumbling public transportation system. Um, that's money that can be better used for signal updates, for track r- repairs, um, for literally anything else. Um, but, you know, it's important uh, because I feel like there's also a lot of misinformation about street vendors, if I may, is that most street vendors who sell food already are licensed by the Department of Health 
in order to certify that they know how to prepare food for sale. That's not the same as them having a vending permit, which is what's in question here, making sure that folks are, you know, abiding by all of the regulations and in return uh, contributing to the city's and the state's tax coffers through the sales tax, which we would estimate to be around $70 million every year. Um, But ultimately, this is the the issue with the police officers um, being brought in uh, to our subway system simply to... um, address fare evasion um, and things like that is, is, is just not even mathematically uh, smart or mathematically sound. So we're hoping to create enough pressure to reverse that proposal. And, uh, you know, given the fact that the city council, members of the city council have pushed for legislation, but it has not, this has gone on for years and has not moved forward. Are you more confident that this can be accomplished on the state level because the city has not been able to do this? Yeah, I, I think that nevertheless we're, we're, you know, working with the city council to make sure that uh, we're addressing hyperlocal issues as much as we can, issues of placement, issues of having to do with regulations, um, and that, you know how many, uh, how, how much the fees for permits are going to be, for example. And we have found that actually this isn't just a New York City issue. There's issues of street funding in Syracuse. And in Buffalo, which is why we're making this uh, a statewide bill, um, we want people to work. We want people to be innovative. We don't want to hinder uh, folks' creativity. We want we want to make sure that that we're really helping those who should be opening small businesses thrive. And you know, I'd read a piece recently in Cranes by John Katsimatidis. Uh, you know. Uh, faulting this legislation saying you know it's not good for business how do you counter the concerns that brick and mortar uh businesses have uh and supermarkets that they say you know you're hurting our business yeah i look i I think a lot of those concerns are very valid i also think that you know um big business tycoons like like john katsimatidis you know love capitalism up until the point where it no longer works for them and unfortunately you know because of the constitution we're not able to, for example, say that a fruit vendor can't, uh, you know, work directly in front of a supermarket, which is his concern. And again, I, I sympathize with that concern. I think it's legitimate. You don't want your direct competition to be just outside your store when their overhead is much lower. Um, but those are the conversations. That's really, to me, where the conversation should be headed for us to really figure out how the city can provide infrastructure for these street vendors where it's needed to make sure that um, we are uh, perhaps uh, looking at it from an urban planning perspective and, and make sure that, you know, narrow, more narrow sidewalks are less clear for pedestrians uh, to walk. Um, those are all hyperlocal issues that we're working with the city council to help resolve. But uh, we, we also need big business to understand that the average New Yorker has the right to exist and to sustain themselves with honest work. And from what I also understand, one of the biggest misperceptions also is that immigration uh, that immigration status is what is preventing a number of the individuals who want to uh, vend on the streets from being able to get permits, but it's not that. That is not true. The problem with uh, the permits is that there aren't enough of them. Right now, the city doles out approximately 3,000 permanent vending permits and 2,000 seasonal permits. And we we estimate that there's around 10,000 unpermitted vendors, and many of them, thousands of them actually, are on the waiting list for those for that vending permit. But unfortunately, because of the cap, aren't able to. And people are selling anyway because they need to feed their families. And we really should be punishing them for being innovative and for doing the right thing. And uh, your bill also would, and this is one other element I wasn't familiar with until I had read up this afternoon, your bill also would expunge past violations for unsanctioned vending from criminal records. Uh, Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's correct. There is grave concern um, about uh, instances where, for example, undocumented immigrants may be undergoing 
uh, different application processes with immigration in order to formalize their status in this country. And unfortunately, uh, with street vending, if it gets to the point where a police officer has arrested you for street vending, that can count as a misdemeanor and obviously would, wouldn't be very helpful with your application for, say, a worker permit or a green card or even your citizenship necessarily. So there are real consequences to these negative interactions between police officers and the vendors that we're really trying to end. What you know, I I want to go to an, uh, another topic in a moment, but you know what just really sticks in my mind was seeing that video of you know everyone saying the churro lady, uh, you know, uh, you know just seeing what happened at that time. What you know what went through your mind when you saw that video, in light of the fact that you had this legislation? Well, to be honest, I saw my mom. I mean, my mom has never been a street vendor, um, but throughout most of my childhood, she had to supplement. Uh, her income as a seamstress by selling clothes on the side. Um, that's how my mother put food on the table for me and my sisters. And, and I see a lot of value in those sacrifices and in that very hard work that so many of our immigrant parents and grandparents and relatives do for us. Um, and, and, you know, I don't need to, you know, pontificate on how, you know, wide the gap in income inequality is in our city. It's worse in New York than in any other part of this country right now. And it's because we have an economy that is not supportive of the working poor, of the working class, of working families, but we're a city where um, big business, where real estate in uh, uh, interests and real estate speculation is really what's driving our economy and deciding what our neighborhood uh, commercial corridors look like. And that's largely unfair. To, to the average New Yorker, um, and that's what we're trying to reverse, um, never mind getting rid of the black market that has been created by these, uh, by these scarce permits. Um, so many of these vendors end up paying fifty, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 to rent the permits, um, and, and putting an end to that black market, all of this together would really, I think, make sure that we're growing um, our economy at the grassroots level. So uh, I want to get to another topic, but I should ask first because I don't recall, although I also don't want to assume, have you endorsed in the presidential race at this point? I have. I've endorsed Bernie Sanders for president. That's that's what I, I thought. So I wanted to just at least raise that first because what happened today is uh, uh, earlier uh, Mayor Michael, former Mayor Michael Bloomberg, had uh, uh, reversed his longstanding support of the uh, aggressive stop and frisk policy strategy that he had pursued while uh, he was the mayor of the city. And he had said uh, to the congregation at uh, Christian Cultural Center, I was wrong and I am sorry. What's your reaction to that? Well, I appreciate his atonement, um, but it seems like a very convenient thing to do in light of his political aspirations. And, and it's really unfortunate that, you know, we, so many politicians still see communities of color as pawns uh, in order to kind of uh, pander to us and say the right things in order to activate the base and make sure that, that we're voting for the right person. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice that he has apologized, that he feels that he realizes that he did wrong. Um, I'm one of those people who were stopped and frisked under the, uh, during the Bloomberg administration. Um, it was a very humiliating experience that should never be repeated for anybody. Um, and uh, I, I, just, I just think it's very politically convenient, and he had plenty of time and plenty of data uh, to realize that it wasn't, wasn't a device that really made the city safer. Uh, so, Senator, as we wrap up, how can people also follow uh, your legislation regarding street vending? Uh, you know, uh, I believe it doesn't uh, come up for, I guess, a discussion in t uh, until January. Can you just give us a sense of where people can go to find out more and what happens next? Yeah, sure. So um, you can always visit the New York Senate website at gov. Uh, where you can follow any legislation that any state senator or assembly person has put forth. Um, 
and uh, folks can keep up on my various social media pages, um, and we'll be really asking folks to step up um, and take part in, in demanding this new uh, grassroots-based economy that we deserve. Senator Jessica Ramos, thanks so much for joining me here on WBAI tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, we've been discussing uh, an issue that has cropped up recently uh, here in the city again because of the uh, 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 women who had been uh, stopped by police for vending in the subway stations. It's an issue we're going to continue with in a, in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to bring on a second guest in a little while, Andrew Regie from the uh, NYC Hospitality Alliance. But before we do that, I do want to go to the news of the day uh, provided by our Celeste Katz-Marston. Thanks, Jeff. Police in Hong Kong moved in on anti-government protesters occupying a college campus Sunday after the demonstrators defied orders to come out from where they'd barricaded themselves. The escalation came after clashes at Hong Kong's Polytechnic University that featured protesters setting fires and lobbing Molotov cocktails at police, as well as one officer being shot in the leg with an arrow. Police retaliated by firing water cannons and deploying tear gas. Authorities have threatened mass arrests and other measures against the protesters, who are broadly fighting the influence of Beijing over Hong Kong, including freedom of speech and criminal justice laws. In national news, President Trump and his supporters continue to object to speculation about his health after he made a Saturday visit to Walter Reed Medical Center that wasn't on his public schedule. Trump and a spokeswoman later said he was simply undergoing part of his annual physical and would complete the exam, quote, next year. Fox News host Janine Pirro asked White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham on Saturday whether concerns about Trump's well-being were founded or not. And there's no truth to the rumors that it was something else because the rumors are flying. Oh, the rumors are always flying. Absolutely not. He is healthy as can be. I put a statement out about that. He's got more energy than anybody in the White House. Uh, that man works from 6 a.m. until, you know, very, very late at night. He's doing just fine. Trump's February physical showed that he was in, quote, very good health, according to White House doctor Sean Conley, who said he expected the president to stay that way through his tenure and beyond. The 73-year-old president has high cholesterol and a common kind of heart disease. He has been previously urged by medical staff to exercise more and to watch his diet. And Americans will watch this week as the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, testifies before the House Intelligence Committee as part of Congress's impeachment inquiry into Trump. Sondland is of interest in the inquiry because of his role in conveying the president's desire to have Ukraine investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son, an energy company executive. Democratic lawmakers and diplomatic officials have sounded alarms that over the summer, Trump pressured the new president of Ukraine to launch an investigation or risk a holdup in military aid. Trump and his defenders say there was no quid pro quo related to the U.S. assistance. In an exchange with Democratic Congressman Mike Quigley of Illinois during last week's House hearings, former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Marie Yovanovitch said she had asked Sondland what to do about a smear campaign against her. He suggested putting out some positive tweets about Trump, she said. Well, he suggested uh, that I needed to go big or go home. Uh, and he said that uh, the best thing to do would be to um, you know, send out a tweet, praise the president, that sort of thing. And what was your reaction to that advice? Well, my reaction was that um, I'm sure he meant well, but it was not advice that I could really follow. It felt, um, it, it felt partisan, it felt political, uh, and um, I, I, I just... That was not something that I thought was in keeping uh, with my role as ambassador and a foreign service officer. In New York, former mayor and potential 2020 candidate Mike Bloomberg apologized to a church audience Sunday for the NYPD, quote, stop and frisk policy that marked his time at City Hall. I got something important really wrong. I didn't understand that back then, the full impact that stops were having on the black and Latino communities. I was totally focused on saving lives, but as we know, good intentions aren't good enough. Now hindsight is 2020, but as crime continued to come down as we reduced stops, and as it continued to come down during the next administration, to its credit, 
I now see that we could and should have acted sooner and acted faster to cut the stops. I wish we had. I'm sorry that we didn't. But I can't change history. However, today, I want you to know that I realized back then I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Bloomberg, one of the world's richest men, served three terms as mayor of New York. He has already filed paperwork to make himself eligible for early state primaries if he decides to run for the White House. And Governor Andrew Cuomo is sounding off at members of the right-wing extremist group the Proud Boys after they displayed banners attacking him at major city crossings including the Lincoln Tunnel, the Holland Tunnel, and the Manhattan Bridge. The banners equated Cuomo with Fredo, a reference to a character from The Godfather and a name the governor's brother, CNN host Chris Cuomo, has called a slur against Italians. In a statement, the governor said the quote-unquote bigot boys should, quote, crawl back into their hole, adding, quote, there's no place for hate in our state. Posting of the banners follows a weekend showdown between members of the Proud Boys and anti-fascist activists outside Trump Tower. Two Proud Boys were sentenced to prison in October for assaulting Antifa protesters outside a Manhattan Republican Club in 2018. WBAI is supported entirely by listeners like you. Go to give2wbai.org to support free speech community radio. Give2, that's the number 2, wbai.org. For WBAI New York, I'm Celeste Katz-Marston. Now, back to City Watch with your host, Jeff Simmons. Thank you, Celeste. I'm glad that Celeste is still a big part of our show and of WBAI. And the reason she is is because even though she's gotten hitched and moved to Boston, she said WBAI represents a distinctive voice here in New York City and one that always that should never be silenced. And that is why it's been so important for us now that we're back up and running with local programming uh, that we need your help. We need you to be able to support us. If you have some time and you can become a BAI buddy just to be able to give a recurring donation of five, ten, even twenty dollars a month. If you're in your car or on your couch listening to us, even cooking dinner right now, and you could take just a few moments, not while driving, if you could pull over that would be good um, just to go online to give to wbai.org you can also uh, call our number at 516-620-3602 uh, and there's one other easy way you can be able to pledge to us it's just by texting i know a lot of us text that's what i do the majority of the day you just have to text uh, the letters WBAI to the number 41444, and that'll get you going to be able to become a WBAI buddy. And near the end of the show, I'll tell you, if you become a BAI buddy, uh, I've lined up a few gifts here that we had for our fundraising drive that had been so rudely interrupted on October 7th. Um, I'll be able to tell you about the books that we have here. Uh, if you uh, mention City Watch and you say you want one of these books, uh, I'll, I'll give you more details at the end of the show. Uh, you know, that you can get one of them. We got 10 copies from a publisher. So we've been talking about street vending, and that brings me to our next guest. We talked with New York State Senator Jessica Ramos about her legislation in Albany. At the same time, on the other side, there's been a, a number of entities that are concerned about the impact on the city's economy and, and businesses, both large and small. Andrew Regie leads the New York City Hospitality Alliance, which is a nonprofit association that represents uh, restaurants and nightlife establishments. Establishments across New York City. Andrew, welcome to WBAI. Oh, thanks to be on. Really great to be here. So I spoke with Jessica a little while ago about her legislation, uh, and you know I raised uh, uh, the question about you know businesses, and I, and I cited the John Katzimatidis piece that was in Cranes, you know about how there's there is a lot of concern by businesses about the impact. What is the you know what's the impact in your view? How does this impact your members and brought more broadly? Uh, you know, if we lift the cap on street vending, what would that do, in your opinion, to a number of the businesses in the city? So, you know, listen, restaurants are small business owners and vendors are small business owners. Many of both are in the food business. So I think we kind of stand in solidarity there. There just are some issues where a vendor selling bagels and coffee, for instance, set up shop right out front of a small bagel shop and because they don't have the same high rent and labor and other types of costs they're able to basically sell the same product for significantly less money than the brick and mortar business um 
so we want to talk about distance requirements. Also, if there's, you know, litter and liquids that are left on the ground and not cleaned up, then the restaurant's required to go and clean it up. Or if the restaurant wants to utilize that public space, they have to go through a lengthy and expensive process to get a sidewalk cafe permit to go in front of the community board. So what we're saying is before we just, you know, put thousands and thousands of new potential vendors on the street, let's address some of the fundamental problems that currently exist in the broken system. And and when you reference the fundamental problems, you know, can you, are there other ones, you know, is it a matter of health as well? Is it you know, a matter of congestion? You know, I've, you know, I live in Jackson Heights and, you know, I see a number of street vendors. They're not in my way, but others may feel business, businesses are, may feel differently. So, yeah, listen, those are some of the restaurant issues. Um, I also serve on a community board um, and I also speak with different stakeholders all the time. So there is certainly issues of accessibility uh, on a congested sidewalk. So for the elderly or someone's in a wheelchair with a baby stroller, you know, these carts right on the sidewalk, especially when multiple are lined up next to each other, can provide or create congestion. I know there's public safety issues. So different folks have some different concerns. I don't think any of them are insurmountable, but just simply increasing the number of vending permits by several thousand or just eliminating the cap, as Senator Ramos's uh, proposal does, I don't think fixes the issue. I think we need to have a comprehensive conversation about how we utilize the public sidewalk and street and basically how do we appropriately regulate commercial activity in public spaces. And I think that can be done in a way that won't make everyone happy all the time, but can address everyone's different issues in a different way. And at the end of the day, help vendors and also provide more opportunity. But we just can't have people selling whatever they want, wherever they want, whenever they want, because it creates issues. And, and the city has set limits on the number of, uh, of, of permits uh, that can be issued. Uh, this had been set quite some time ago. If not a cap, if, you know, do you think that there is a a a, um, a middle ground here where just increasing the overall number would be one of the solutions versus just lifting the cap in total? You know, a number of permits is part of it. I also think where they're located. You know, listen, if you're a vendor, you want to be where there's heavy foot traffic. So you see certain corridors where there's many vendors, one after another, that are lined up. And frankly, if they're selling the same product, it also undercuts each other's sales. So I think we need to look at the number of permits as a whole, but then we also need to look at where they're located. Also, foot traffic and other issues change over the years. So have a regular comprehensive review of how many permits, where they're located, um, who they are issued to is all, you know, an appropriate manner in which we should regulate uh, vending. But I think just saying let's increase the number by thousands or get rid of the cap without first fixing the underlying systems like the underground market where people are renting them for thousands of um, thousands of dollars or people of the public's concern where they try to call an agency because someone's vending where they shouldn't be and they kind of push it off to another agency because there's not one you know vendor squad which city council legislation in the past attempted to do but i think there are other concerns that the legislation didn't address and that's why it stalled and this is nothing new this has been going on for years and years and years how do we regulate commercial activity in public spaces and as the city of new york is talking about comprehensive changes to the way new york uses public sidewalks streets parking lots uh parking spaces bike lanes pedestrian plazas now is really an appropriate time to have this conversation I hope it can be done so in a thoughtful way that considers all stakeholders who really do have legitimate gripes with the current system and come up with something because we want New York City to be a place where people can get into small business. And I acknowledge vendors are the smallest of small business owners in many cases, um, but that doesn't mean just saying people can vend anywhere. And I think because the current system is broken, a lot of people think just increasing or eliminating number uh, the, the cap on vending permits 
is going to actually exacerbate the current issues versus actually just letting more people vent. So here in New York City, I mean, you you uh, mentioned this about that this has stalled. This has been discussed for years. Uh, uh, Brooklyn Councilman Rafael Espinal uh, just recently said that he had uh, close to 30 council members who've signed on to uh, a piece of legislation to gradually increase the number of mobile food vending permits over the next uh, few years. But I'm really curious. As this is moving ahead uh, or possibly moving ahead on a city level and Senator Ramos is doing this on a state level, you know, are, are they duplicative? Uh, you know, is it going to be a tougher battle up in Albany or rather than here in the city? What, what, what do you uh, foresee happening? So I appreciate everyone trying to address this issue. Um, but representing small businesses, I can tell you that there is incredible amount of frustration because it seems almost every day there is a different piece of legislation that would impact small business owners at a state level, a city level. Um, We just need to come together, figure out who is going to address this. It's my opinion because the city of New York regulates vendors in most ways, it would be most appropriate for the city of New York to address this issue on our own versus state legislation to come in that may not be able to adequately address many of the issues that I brought up. So I definitely think that the city should address it um, because most of the regulatory uh, apparatus is done through city agencies. Uh, But again, if you are going to even incrementally increase the number, there should be greater discussion about where the vendors are placed. How does it impact small businesses, especially at a time when neighborhoods around the city continue to complain about all the vacant storefronts and small business owners are talking about all the different regulatory pressures and the free market pressures. So, you know, I know the video that went viral with Elsa, I believe her name was, who's now referred to as the uh, churl lady, you know, got emotions up and really got people to want to act. But this has been going on for years and years and years. Um, And one video may be able to spark the type of momentum we need to reform the system. But just because we have momentum, let's not reform it for the sake of reforming it. Let's do it in a more methodical way. And I think a lot of stakeholders need to be brought to the table. Because, again, this isn't just about giving someone the opportunity to work, which is critically important and our city must focus on, but it's also about regulating commercial activity in public spaces. Like I said before, if a restaurant wants to sell right in front of their business, they have to go through a lengthy and expensive process. Um, So how do we balance those two interests? And at the same time, how are we going to give opportunities for people to sell great food and great products where it is appropriate in a public space. And Andrew, I failed to ask at the outset of this conversation, you know, I briefly described uh, the NYC Hospitality Alliance. Can you tell our listeners a little about your organization and what it does? Sure. So we are a not-for-profit uh, trade association that represents the restaurant nightlife industry in New York City. Uh, we formed a little over seven years ago to make sure that our, you know, beloved restaurants, bars, and nightclubs in the city had a proactive voice in the halls of government and in the media and an organization to really serve them and help guide them through the ever-changing environment. And our members range from, you know, your small mom-and-pop cafe to a four-star restaurant to a little pub to a big nightclub uh, and many businesses in between. And, you know, we're big in supporting entrepreneurship, and we think that vendors are doing a lot of great and important work. They're the eyes and ears on our streets, and they're part of our cultural fabric, but so are brick-and-mortar businesses. And we just need to find a more fair and equitable balance that will address everyone's concerns. And moving ahead, given that uh, the senator's legislation would be discussed uh, in uh, early in uh, 2020, and from what Councilman Espinal says, this uh, there'll be discussion in the city council about his legislation. What will your uh, association be doing uh, in in the near future uh, to try to find a workable solution? So we will definitely be having meetings and discussions with our elected uh, representatives, with other community groups, other business organizations, and while we want to represent our members' specific issues related to mobile vending. We recognize other people have different issues as well as the vendors. So we would hope 
everyone could be convened, sit down at a table, figure out what we can give and take and come up with a more workable solution because right now I think everyone agrees no matter where you're coming from, the system is broken. And Andrew, if uh, someone, one of our listeners wants to uh, find out about more about the NYC Hospitality Alliance, how can they do so? You can reach us at the nycalliance.org. That's the nycalliance.org. We're on Twitter at the NYC Alliance. And I'm also at Andrew Riggi. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-R-I-G-I-E. Andrew Riggi, thank you so much for joining me here on City Watch today. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. New York isn't like any other place. And WBAI isn't like any other radio station. For more than 60 years, WBAI has been your go-to for independent, non-commercial, free speech programming. Join the WBAI family as a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite show today. It's easy. Just go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. Or text WBAI to 41444. Or call 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. When you become a BAI buddy, you show your support for great programs on politics, news, the arts, music, and culture. Supporting WBAI means supporting programming that lets you hear from your elected officials with hosts who hold them accountable. Go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org, or call 516-620-3602 now. Don't wait. You know these times are too important. Please give as generously as you can. It's really easy to make a recurring monthly donation. It only takes a minute. Just go to WBAI.org, click ways to donate, and say you want to be a BAI buddy in the name of your favorite program. WBAI has spoken up for New Yorkers for more than 60 years. Now, it's time to speak up for WBAI. Go to Give2, that's the number 2, WBAI.org, or text WBAI to 41444. Give to WBAI today. Be heard. Celeste mentioned, you are listening to WBAI 99.5 FM. I am your host, Jeff Simmons. You're listening to City Watch right now. And the phone lines are now open. And I, I do want to hear your opinion on the topics we've discussed today. The number to call is 212-209-2877. That number again is 212-209-2877. We've been talking about street vending. And I'm curious, uh, what matters to you when it comes to the number of street vendors on the streets? Where you think they should be? Do you think that people are, are, um, you know, uh, over uh, estimating how important this is do you think they're underestimating that uh is this an issue about fairness and equality what's you know should this be handled by the city or the state i want to know your opinion on this and also if you heard me uh talking with senator ramos about uh, uh what former mayor bloomberg said today where he was apologizing for his prior stance on uh on stop and frisk i'm curious what you think about that as well well that wasn't my original topic given that it's breaking news and you know uh he was our mayor for three terms uh, where he uh, felt one way and now on possibly the cusp of announcing formally a presidential bid, uh, he's changed his tune. Why do you think he's done that? Uh, also, one thing we talked about with or talked about with uh, Senator Ramos was the governor proposing to put more, put more police at our transit stations to address uh, some of the violations. Uh, is that the right answer? So, uh, you know, as we've discussed with uh, Senator Ramos and we discussed with Andrew Regi uh, from the NYC Hospitality Alliance, this street vending issue kind of. You know, came to a head in visibility once again recently with the uh, the arrests of several folks who were selling in transit stations. Uh, but it is not just limited to incidents that are happening there. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I live in Jackson Heights and I see a lot of street vendors there. They are not in my way. It's where I also stop often on the way home. Uh, to get a bite to eat, but I also patronize a lot of the restaurants uh, in Jackson Heights as well. Uh, but what do you feel about that? Is this something that that you are concerned about? So I believe we're, uh, we have a few calls coming in. Hello. Hi, welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. What's your name? Hi, I'm Bill. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Bill. 
Hey, great show. Uh, quick question. Aren't the street vendors uh, supposed to be, two questions, aren't they supposed to be veterans when those licenses were given out years ago? You know, they sold, those, they sold them, right? But here's my question. It's safety time. They should, with the guys coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, lots of guys, they should have the option, they should change the policy to allow the guys who are coming back to do that. Instead of just letting that be grandfathered to some guy who's not even, you know, he's benefiting from it by selling it to these guys on the street now. It should go to the veterans that it was supposed to, and that's my comment, and I appreciate your uh, show. Thank you. Bill, thanks so much. And, in fact, you know, it's, that's one of the issues that I recall when I had worked with the Downtown Alliance, because there's, there's a special class of permits that exists for disabled veterans, and they're permitted to sell food along the perimeter of, of city parks without restriction. Uh, but one of the concerns also had been about uh, the improper transfer of some of those of those permits. Uh, welcome. We've got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name? Hi. Hi, hi. Yes, yes, you're on the air. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Mickey from the Bronx. Hi, Mickey. I love. I used to street vend a long time ago, but my uh, the way the the police treated me. But luckily, you know, I'm a I'm a New Yorker all, all my life. And what am I saying with that? It's some people, their stuff is taken away very harshly. They don't tell them that there are property clerks and things like that. So the gentleman that was there before, you know, while he says, you know, we're both doing the same thing, but we, they don't get treated that way. Their stuff is not taken away, you know. And I would like to eliminate that, that part of it that you, you can rough people up and take their stuff. And I only found out that, there's a property uh, clerk as well because I went with the I said, no, you're not taking because my uncle that I love is like a father. He made my portfolio because I used to sell it right out of my portfolio uh, jewelry and uh, things that I made as well that I took time to make. And I went with them to the precinct, and that's how I found out they had a, a whole closet full of stuff. So there's a lot of dirty things that happen. You know, they keep the stuff. And they don't let the people know that they can get it back. It's only because I know how to defend myself, you know. And um, and, and, process, and that I, is, I, and that's a very good point. Is you know, what do people are people aware of? You know, what actions they can take if, uh, exactly. if you know if authorities are seizing their property. Uh, you know, and why was, don't the authorities tell them? And there was a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, misinformation out there about the woman who uh, was, uh, the, as we're saying, the churro lady. Um, you know, was she arrested? Was she summoned? What happened? Uh, you know, the, I believe it was the police who then said that she had been summoned a number of times before. Yeah, but it's but not that's, only her. I, yeah. I've seen it with my own eyes. The way they treat, like, let's say, I've seen in particular people that have problems speaking English. You know, they they, they come upon them like, like thieves, really. They come up, they take their stuff, they wrap it up, and they leave. And they're and they're and the poor people are left speechless and scared. There's that element too. And I would like I understand the gentleman that if you have a business, it should be kind of equitable, even though it's not. Because I, I can't afford a business. Otherwise, I would have a business. I'd be more than happy to have a business. But don't treat people treat people with dignity because they are trying to make a honest living. And there was a time. That, that used to be called town callers, by the way. People would make their money. So part of it, to me, is racially involved also. Mickey, I don't know. I can't help but think that. Mickey, you know? thank you so much for giving us a call in today, and thank you for listening to WBAI. We count on listeners like you. Thank you, and I've been a listener for the longest. So I'm glad you're back. Thank you so much. God bless. So uh, the number to call? 212-209-2877. That number is 212-209-2877. So in the last few weeks, we've also heard from a number of elected officials who are weighing in on uh, Senator Ramos's uh, proposed legislation. Uh, Mayor de Blasio was asked about this the other uh, day, and basically he had said that he, he'd argue that lifting the cap isn't the way to go. Um, he felt we needed a, a tighter enforcement system and opening it up to anybody and everybody isn't helpful is what he had said. Do we have another caller on the line? Great. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and where are you from? Yes. You're speaking with me? Yes, I am. Welcome. A. Brown, a. Brown Manhattan. Hi. I'm, 
I'm a member of BAI. Thank you. Thank I, um, you. Thank you. I mean, I contribute regularly. I don't. I'm not a BAI buddy, but I, I contribute regularly in um, chunks, you know. But the thing is, um, I love this discourse. In, in, I mean, it needs to be spoken about because I feel I really feel that, um, like the chorizo chori, chori lady. I can't say that. Oh, chur- churro. Chiro lady, yeah, that's Chiritro or whatever they call it. But that lady, she's not um, causing any um, noise pollution or air pollution, you see. But that's that's an obsequious person. She's just one little lady with a shopping cart. I don't know why they bother them. But the people that cause a lot of um, street um, chaos, I think, are the ones with those loud generators, and they're very stinky. Those generators with the, um, you know what I'm talking about. They have a cart and they're selling like falafel or whatever they're selling. But what's but yeah. what's interesting here, um, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but what's interesting here is I don't think that anyone's proposing, you know, abolishing the cap and that everyone can do things willy-nilly, that right. there still would be a number of regulations, you know, like the right. health department would regularly inspect uh, the you know the carts uh, as well that there are specific rules that folks would still need to comply with. It's not just lifting the cap and letting anyone do what they want. Right, because right now those trucks that have those generators, I mean, you you realize how loud that is and how how much pollution is being um, is being generated from those generators. Whatever, it's really bad. Those things need to be more environmentally um, um, upgrade. You know, they need to be a, more of a um, contemporary design. Something is wrong with those ancient generators, you know? You know what I'm talking about, right? There's places where there'll be two or three of those, and you can't even walk through because it's so loud and it's so stinky. See, and, see and for me, uh, and I'm smiling when you say that, that doesn't bother me because I live, because I also live in the, uh, unfortunately, the pathway of the air traffic going oh. in and coming out of LaGuardia when they reroute. So that's, that's my issue. Well, maybe that's another whole show. <laughs> You're soldiering through the worst of it. Yeah, that's even worse. So, of course, there's levels, there's levels of, of degradation, but... This should be those those generators are really really they go all night some of them are open till two in the morning or whatever you know but that that should be changed or um, you okay. know um, regulated and whatever well thank well know. well I do appreciate you calling in and again yeah, thank, thank you, you so much thank, thank you for you. contributing to BAI because yeah, I want to show is great thanks thank again you so much. So uh, we've only got just a few minutes left, and you know, and I, I'm really grateful that Celeste was able to uh, provide a very uh, much more articulate than I ever am uh, segment, uh, reminding folks, our listeners, you out there, that uh, becoming a BAI buddy is so uh, important to us. And you know, if you have a few moments, uh, it would be incredible if you could become a BAI buddy tonight in the name of City Watch. Uh, you just have to go online to give to that is the number two WBAI.org. You can also pledge on our uh, just call on the phone at 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. And you could also just text WBAI to the number 41444. I mentioned earlier, one thing that I had lined up for you, uh, and if you become a BAI buddy in the name of the show, please mention this because we've got 10 copies of, of a book that was donated to us by New Village Press called Waging Peace in Vietnam, U.S. Soldiers and the Veterans Who Opposed the War. And I had on one of the co-authors, co-editors, Ron Carver, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, it's a, a comprehensive book. If you think of all the, uh, even the resistance newspapers that were created at that time, you, you, they're in there as well. It's, uh, there's beautiful photos that have been taken, wonderful essays, including one from Jane Fonda, who still is in the news for uh, resisting these days. Uh, but again, we've got 10 copies of Waging Peace in Vietnam. And if you can become a BAI buddy in the name of the show, please mention this and we'll make sure you get a copy of that book. So as we get ready to wrap up, I do want to let you know that next week, and I've got it in my hand right now. This is, I'm very excited about this. Uh, there is a book called Newcomers, Gentrification and Its Discontents by Matthew Sherman. Uh, Matthew is a senior editor at 
one of our other radio stations, WNYC, but he's written for the New York Observer, Fortune and the Village Voice. And I'm making my way through this book about gentrification and includes chapters on uh, what has happened here in Brooklyn. I just got through the Brooklyn Heights section. And we're going to have him in studio talking about gentrification next Sunday at 6 o'clock for the hour. And we definitely will be taking your calls because I'm curious what you think works, what doesn't work. Uh, what are some of the possible solutions? Are, you know, are we pushing people out of neighborhoods? What, you know, what does gentrification mean to you? So again, I really want to thank you, our listeners, for staying with WBAI, um, for coming back to us when we returned our local programming. I want to thank our guests today, New York State Senator Jessica Ramos, uh, and of course, Andrew Regie of the New York City Hospitality Alliance, and again, our Celeste Katz Marston, uh, for the latest news. And I also want to remind you that um, mornings, 7 to 8, Johanna Fernandez. She just started with us recently. She is your morning host of uh, Good Morning Nueva New York. She's on with King Downing. This is a great new show that you want to tune in when you get up in the morning uh, before you head out to work. And again, if you missed any part of City Watch, go and visit us at WBAI.org. Go to Programs and then Archives. You'll be able to get the show. It'll be up in about 10 minutes. But don't turn off WBAI now. Because coming up next is the golden age of radio with Max Schmidt. Have a great evening. When you think of the golden age of radio, you're bound to remember the performer whose hold on the heartstrings of America spanned almost three generations. Well, thank you, Jack. Yes, it's Max Schmied, and I'm your host for the golden age of radio. Sunday nights at 7 p.m. here on WBAI, presenting the finest in radio's history, comedy, drama, mysteries, science fiction. Won't you join me Sunday nights at 7 for the golden age of radio? Only here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM. I hope you Hi, I'm Heidi Bogosian of Lawn Disorder. Join me, Michael Ratner, and Michael Smith every Monday morning at 9 a.m. as we talk about ongoing threats to civil liberties and human rights. That's every Monday morning at 9 a.m. right here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM. Hi, I'm Michael G. Haskins, host of Living for the City, on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York at 99.5 FM Mondays at 11 a.m. Along with senior producer Jillian Jonas, we delve into some of the complexities of living in one of the most diverse cities in America. From the Bronx, Greenwich Village, and Lower East Side to Sunnyside, we speak with on-the-ground activists who are fighting back against mega-developers and two tall proponents that make the Disneyfication of Times Square look like child's play. We also speak with community leaders and journalists from the Lenape Nation, Black Star News, and the People's Organization for Progress, the underreported stories, hidden histories that so often get overlooked. Living for the City, Mondays at 11 a.m. over listener-sponsored WBAI in New York. 99.5 FM and WBAI.org on the web. Hola, mis amigos. My name is Chico Alvarez. WBAI is listener-supported, commercial-free resistance radio. We challenge the norms and defy them. Let's break down what that really means. It means that no clandestine corporate entity can tell me how to do my show. It means that you, the listener, and the diverse WBAI community have a voice. It is a voice which reverberates across the tri-state area. But in order to keep providing you with the independent news, unique conversation, and groundbreaking arts content you rely on, 
We need your help. Donate by visiting give to WBAI.org or pledge right now from your smartphone by texting the letters WBAI to the numbers 41444. And thank you for your support. This is Wayne Kramer from the MC5. Nobody kicks out the jams like WBAI New York. Breathe deep, expand your mind, and let the music be your drive.